Gen Leadership Podcast. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doers of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, who face, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who ears, who come short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions? Who spends themselves in a worthy cause? Who at the best knows in the end of the triumph of high achievement? And who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while, while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. All right, welcome back to the show, and uh, familiar voice in the intro there. Uh, Jake, welcome back, man. It's been a while since we've uh, filmed one of these, huh? Nolan, it's great to be back, and if I had to guess, it's probably been over a year, maybe right around a year. Um, you might have better knowledge of me, though, but it's got to be close. It's got to be close, that's for sure. It's uh, life. Life happened. Mm-hmm. 100%, <laughs> and the uh, the weird thing, I got uh, reminded of this earlier this week, maybe last week, and that last year at this time... Uh, we are going through our second shutdown as a company and kind of That's as right. like a state. So um, it's been a long year coming, I guess you could say too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, it's, you know, it, that this last year of our lives have pretty much changed a lot for both you and me. Um, you know, where are you at with, with work? How's, how are things going for you? Uh, I know that's obviously been very busy since COVID times and you guys have been doing pretty well as a business, right? Yeah. I mean, business is great. Um, as we've talked maybe before, maybe not, um, us as discover strength organization, we've been in the process of franchising. Um, that process got derailed a little bit because of the COVID things and being shut down and things like that. But we were able to launch our first franchise in YZ, uh, today, actually, and uh, a Maple Grove location opening up doors next Thursday. Um, so as a whole organization, things are going awesome. Here in Woodbury, things are doing really well. Um, just really excited and fortunate to be part of a company like Discover Strength. So remind people that are new to the show kind of what you do, um, what the, it's evidence strength training, right? Evidence-based strength training, I think yes, I remember, yes. right? Simple terms, yes. So <laughs> um, I'm a general manager at a boutique strength training studio, I'm going to call it. And as you kind of touched on, one of our uh, niches or differentiators is evidence-based strength training, where we're not fad-driven. Uh, you never see us on probably some info commercial. Uh, we're very evidence-based as in terms of we read literature, research week in, week out, and um, what a lot of people think exercise should be, strength training should be. The literature in the past 10, 15 years is actually going to show quite a bit um, different things. So. Um, it's very eye-opening to a lot of people that come through the door of what actually should constitute of a resistance exercise routine or just healthy habits, we'll say. I guess 
new listeners, what do you like describe what a workout looks like too? Cause that, that always gets me. That's why I got excited about doing the workouts that, you know, you do. And, and I've been training that way, at least been trying to on my own, sure. um, since you've kind of taught me that back in college. So describe that workout a little bit too, for the new listeners. Mm-hmm. And I love talking about our, our workout routine or what a evidence-based workout routine looks like. And a lot of people don't believe me or kind of shrug off their shoulders until they just come in and just experience what I'm talking about. But it'll say in, in simple terms, a full body workout training to failure, meaning Nolan, if I were to give you $10,000 or a scholarship to any university that you may want to go to, you could not get another repetition under perfect form. Uh, so you can go on the nuances a little bit, but basically if we can get to failure or work through one set at a very high level effort while moving in a slow controlled manner, and all rally, that's all that we really need once or twice a week. As I did these workouts too, I felt like I could always do more. What's the benefit of like, again, you training me too? Cause like, I always mm-hmm. feel like I can always do one more, but apparently I'm not ever like pushing myself to the max, you know? Like- yeah. So a lot of people underestimate the power of supervision, right? Um, if I were just to come in and watch you wherever, wherever you, your workouts, Nolan, and not say a word, you're probably going to work just a little bit harder or say you go with a workout buddy or with your girlfriend or wife, whatever that is probably gonna have a little just extra source of motivation obviously that's not all that i'm there for um but supervision is literally kind of the secret ingredient i like to say um and obviously we have kind of ways or techniques to ensure failure is actually achieved that is harder to do um by yourself or in a free weight manner or things of that not that free weights are bad or machines are superior anything like that but just supervision is all rally the um secret we'll say recipe and a lot of people don't have that accountability partner or motivation partner, however you want to consider it. Yeah. Have you seen uh, an increase in amount of people that are looking for trainers, like in the space in general, or has it become, you know, I can do this on my own. It's, you know, I don't want to go to a gym. I don't want to be around other people. What are you seeing in the industry too now that that that's kind of changed in this last year of our lives and, and things like that? That's a great question. So I think over the course of the full 2020, how you stated that first is very true, as in a lot of people are skeptical or just don't want to go back to a big box gym, whether it's COVID reasons, health reasons, just don't feel comfortable, or it's just not their vibe anymore. Um, So yeah, 100% initially that was the case. I would say recently, not that people are leaving Discover Strength or Trend anywhere else, but I'm hearing a lot more of, hey, I'm going to Lifetime to go play basketball with my buddies, or I've been using the sauna on a weekly basis at LA. So I've been hearing the words kind of clubs or health clubs a lot more in the past two, three, four weeks than I had across the whole year. Um, So I don't know if people are just feeling more comfortable or are ready to get out of their houses more and just live overall as healthy habits or what that is. Um, So it's been a very interesting literally two, three, four weeks because I've just noticed that uptick, we'll say. Yeah. And even for me, like I was a gym member before. COVID happened. And then obviously I worked out with you during COVID when we had our, we worked out like at home and stuff like that. We would do them together, which was awesome. Um, but then I, at that point I was really like, Hey, you know, I don't, I don't ever feel like I need to go to a gym anymore. Like after knowing exactly what I could do at home, I never felt the need to be like, Hey, yep, I'm going to go to lifetime fitness. The only reason I would go, um, or like the athletes that I work with right now is there's a lot of benefits of either being around other people or they have things that I don't have, like a sauna and a treadmill or, mm-hmm. you know, a stair climber or things like that. And that do I do miss in some sense, but I don't feel like I need that anymore. 
you know, like right behind you, I have all my skis and my outdoor stuff and my rollerblades and all that stuff. I mean, that's the stuff that I want to do personally. And I think a lot more people have found that um, there, you know, when I was cross country skiing uh, last year and the year before that, there was more people out on the trails than ever before. And the reason is they couldn't go to a gym or they couldn't go work out with you and they had to find new alternatives to it. And a lot of 30s, 40s and 50 year olds find cross country skiing as a great way to get outdoors and do something um, that anybody can really do. Uh, and I've learned a lot from that as, as far as like being able to avoid a lot of people on the trails and uh, picking up new habits around the exercises that I do uh, doesn't always have to be indoors too. So uh, pretty unique there, but I think a lot of people are learning that, uh, you know, you don't always need to be inside of a gym at all times, you know, and there's other ways of training and learning things. And I think that's where you guys too, people want to pick up, Hey, what do these guys do? What do, what do I learn from these guys? You know, you, you know, you talk about nutrition too. I mean, you talk about that with me, um, things like that. So I think that's also very, very beneficial for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, I think you touched on one big overarching topic there of nobody wants to be in the gym five hours a week, seven hours a week, three hours a week. In all reality, you don't need to. And I think that might surprise a lot of high school athletes, college athletes, 20, 30, 40, 50 year olds, maybe probably everybody, like that's a surprise because you go through college, you go through high school, you go through classes of how you need 60 to 90 minutes of vigorous exercise every day. You need to strength train three days a week. You need to flexibility work twice a week. And pretty soon you have, wow, I have 12 hours worth of working out, quote unquote. And we know that um, it's more so about a time intensity continuum. If, hey, let's work at a very high level intensity under a safe manner, whether that's cardiovascularly, whether that's strength training related, and we get so much more benefits. I mean, at least the same, we'll say, if not more, um, doing things at a very high intensity level that now frees up your time to play with your kids or go cross country skiing or pick up a new habit or hobby, we'll say, uh, playing tennis or pickleball, where there's so many things to experience in life, whether that's food and drink or family or travel that you should have the time to do. And a lot of people are like, oh, I can't uh, go out tonight. I have to go work out. Or I can't make a family dinner because I have to go work out. Like, no, like myself, I work out twice per week for 15, maybe upwards to 40 minutes. So I'm spending no more than an hour and a half a week on my strength training. And I'll go for leisure walks and stuff like that. And um, I'll do some high intensity interval training, maybe like once every other week. Um, But right now where I am, like I'm a healthy 26 year old that I know strength is only going to help me prevent injuries, reduce the the risk of ever having injuries, um, and just mitigate the chances of doing that. And strength training is the biggest bang for my buck. So in some sense, you know, like you said, there's a, your niche market, I guess, is 30s, 40s, 50s, a little bit older crowd, right? But for the athletes that are younger, right, who are learning how to train on their own in some sense now too, uh, with this whole COVID thing, they don't really know who to go to. I think you have probably picked up a lot more athletes uh, along the way over this last time frame because they've had to realize, hey, you know, I either have to do this on my own and figure out how to do it and I need somebody to do it or, you know, like I, I just don't know how to train correctly. You know, what's going to be the most efficient time frame that I can work out in um, and get the most benefits out of? And I think for you, right, that a lot of athletes have kind of come found what you're doing and, and had a lot of benefits to it. Yeah, I mean, athletes definitely not our, our, our target market, right? Our target market is more so the six-figure um, busy professional, right? But that does not mean in whatsoever that the way that we train isn't beneficial for 
athletes, grandmothers, kids, adolescents, six, seven, eight-year-olds. Um, this kind of form of uh, style of training, we'll say, um, football teams, professional football teams, 70s, 80s, and 90s, this is how they trained. And then kind of when the new kind of flashy type of thing started coming out and um, honestly, professional athletes kind of like their deal, especially football players, um, in their contracts, they can't do certain type of things. You know, they don't get hurt and stuff like that where everything has kind of changed this social media age of where you see a lot of these gimmicks and fads and just stuff that just blows my mind and I can just laugh at that people are spending hundreds and thousands of dollars to do these things that are just dangerous and just outright just not efficient and effective. Um, so yeah, we've definitely seen a slight uptick in, hey, my son is a sophomore in college, has no idea what he's doing in the gym. Can he come and just see you once a week? Like I have plenty of those individuals, whether they're baseball or volleyball or soccer players, I'd say are probably the main three right now. Um, but yeah, like their parents are realizing what it's doing for them. And they're like, wow, I've spent so much money on my son or daughter to train every weekend at whatever facility. And you know what? They got hurt last week. Like this doesn't make much sense. Like the only thing that's not functional is being hurt. And uh, I don't know if you are getting hurt on off field activities due to thinking you're getting better, like you're just in the wrong. Yeah, I agree. And <laughs> I just look back at the time that I wasted in high school and don't want to have those regrets as well. You know, especially for me learning about what I did in college. I had my best years, junior and senior year, and that's when I started training and doing what you kind of had taught me. So, um, yeah, it's it's great. I love it, and I'm glad that business is going well for yeah. you and, and yeah. life is going well. I mean, do you have you did a lot more racing this mm -hmm. uh, this summer. You yeah, know, describe that kind of. You don't have to dive too deep into yeah. it, but uh, I know that's one of your passions that. For sure. Not many people know about you. You know, I think uh, they're like, he races every time yeah. I talk about you. Old college buddies or things like that. So um, I had a pretty good season doing it this year, right? Yeah. So let me let me backtrack <laughs> one last step. And you touched on something, another, something that's actually really important to you when it comes around strength training and getting stronger. And that's just skill acquisition, where um, practicing a skill is very, very specific, right? And if you want to get better at running, jumping, swimming, playing baseball, you need to to practice that skill, right? And this is where an evidence-based approach to strength training is so vital because it's going to take you, like I said, 30 to 60 minutes on week, um, per week, excuse me, to get strong, to prevent injuries. So now you have an extra three, four hours to hone in on your skill of being a catcher, your skill of hitting a baseball or throwing a baseball, whatever that is. It opens up so much for a free time. Oh, hey, I actually have to go to the library because I have a big exam coming up. I don't need to spend a lot of time. But kind of go back to skill acquisition. It's so specific. And as you said, we probably wasted a lot. I should say wasted because we didn't know at the time it was wasting. So going back, like right. I, would, I, I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah. Uh, we're just smarter, more knowledgeable now, and we learn from those things. Um, but the way that we train is able to free up a lot of time so you can actually practice what you want to get better at. For sure. Um, but yeah, turn the script. Um, hobby, uh, family hobby, we'll say, of ours. And that's just how I grew up. Um, we didn't have a cabin. We didn't have the lake house. Um, I grew up in a, a family that drag races. So uh, my grandfather started doing it. So that's how my father grew up. And that's how me and my sister grew up. And we pretty much travel the Midwest, I say, but that doesn't mean we don't venture off to the Georgias or the Texases or the Nevadas and stuff like that. So we pretty much travel the country um, from April, May until October, November time. Um, and then we take four or five months off, hunker down here in the winter and find some hobbies here. But um, yeah, it's been a hobby of mine that 
is super cool, I would say, in one aspect because not a lot of people have any idea what it is. So it's an easy just kind of conversation starter of, hey, what's your hobby? Or, hey, where's your cabin? And like, no, that's <laughs> um, – like, I love doing those things. Don't get me wrong, but that's not um, the, per se, the, the route that we took. Um, and I'm very fortunate to have grown up in that type of hobby. We'll say that most people don't have it, a conversation about. But then it's also the double-edged sword because it's hard to have this conversation because – a lot of people just don't understand it, kind of like our evidence-based strength training until you just experience it. So it's fun. It's great to have the conversations, but can can be hard at sometimes too, Nolan. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I know. I had no clue what drag racing was until, like I've seen it on TV and stuff, right? Or I read about it or seen it wherever, right? Until I went with you the one time and it was, uh, made the hairs in the back of my neck stand up and I'm standing next <laughs> to your dad racing, you know, it's like, it's kind of fun, you know, it gives you the adrenaline and it's not something yeah. like I, I had no clue what the lines or the numbers meant oh, yeah. on the screen and <laughs> See? what you wrote on the car, yeah. right? There's so many details yeah, of it, yeah. but in that one weekend I pick it all up and it was fun. We were just drinking, mm-hmm. having a good time and, you know, just enjoying life. So yeah. And say, um, I mean, it's, it's our, it, it's our second family. It's like anyone else has their buddies that they go golf with or have the like house with. And fortunate enough that I have a lot of really good friends and pals that are across the country instead of just all kind of isolated, we'll say in the Midwest or whatever it was. So it's a very just extended family that um, has been, I've been very, 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 very grateful for, excuse me. Yeah, no, it's it's great. I love that. And, you know, over this last year since we've done an episode, there's, uh, like I said, been a lot of changes and been a lot of things that, you know, you've adjusted. What's something that you have kind of matured upon in your life that you would say, you know, two years ago, you really would have never expected um, from the perspective of just, life in general, whether it's, you know, personal life or business related or something like that? That's a great question. And I think my simple answer is you're always on stage, Nolan, especially in whether you're in the workforce or you're a coach or you're a player or you're out grocery shopping, right? I say that you're always on stage and that means someone is always watching you and more so in my position, fortunately enough, where um, I'm able to run a studio or run a location and what you do, people are going to gravitate towards. Like you see someone do something or, excuse me, they see me do something, they're going to say, oh, that's how I'm supposed to do it. Um, so when I was in college, I per se was named the captain per se for three years. And I never had that mindset of every single action that I did, people were going to be like, oh, like that's okay to do because Jake's doing that. Like that's just how we do things. Obviously, I think I knew that deep down, but it wasn't a conscious thought of every action that I had of, People are going to follow in my footsteps, the good, the bad, the neutral. And now that I've had that experience and people have relayed that message to me over and over again without, I mean, I've, I've failed at this before. And I think it's me realizing that I am on stage every single time I have a interaction with another human being. Yeah. Great answer. That's, would you say it's related to you now, you had a responsibility, um, that was greater than you? Um, because work was more important to you or you had to perform at a certain level? Was that kind of the driver of it? Or is it because you've just kind of realized that over time you've gotten more responsibilities or whatever that may be? You I know? think it's probably both of those, to be honest. I think one, just being thrown into the fire. That was the same thing when I stepped in at Hamlin, right? As an right. 18-year-old freshman, like I didn't have much time to think. Like I was fortunate enough to play a really good chunk of games and time as a freshman. Like I didn't get to per se learn from someone. I was like, Hey, 
Like, you're skillful enough, get out there and play. And you were just kind of thrown in the fire. No one taught you how to really conduct yourself. And I think it was the same thing professionally. My first couple years, like, I wanted nothing, quote-unquote, in being a leader or manager. And obviously that kind of just can maybe gravitated towards those things. But it was this extra responsibility of, hey, this location, honestly, is not doing all that well right now. And you know what? You're now trying to lead it. And so, and I realized that the more I say, and especially when I onboard new employees, I will catch them saying things to clients that are strictly verbatim that came out of my mouth because they're kind of more robotic. They don't really know like their own voice yet. And like, I'll hear them say things like, wow, like that sounds good. Or like, wow, I've been saying that. And you know what? Like I can rephrase that. So when I mean like, like I am on stage, like I have the fortunate ability to build to onboard all of our new employees. And so they're like my shadow, everything I do or say, or conduct myself body language wise, like they are literally going to do the same exact thing for their first six months. And that's the foundation that they have within our organization. And so I think it's having more responsibility, but more so just seeing people literally do what you do because that's all that they know. And in turn, that drives growth. I mean, that's a great business strategy. I don't think about that because of the size of my company. Right. You know, it's a little different for me where it comes to over this last year of learning about myself, like I have to conduct myself to clients uh, in a positive and, you know, w- know what I'm talking about basically. But, uh, if I didn't know what I was talking about, it's easy for me to be get called out on. Um, but internally in my company, I'm the only one that's doing it. Right. So if, if the client so doesn't call me out that I'm don't know what I'm talking about, the only person internally that really knows the ideas around whatever, I, you know, I'm running a lot of it stuff. I'm the only person that knows that. So I'm not getting that feedback and getting that, that knowledge behind me mm-hmm. to really help me drive and learn about, Hey, yeah, I need to, I need to know how to do this. How, what do I need? What are the steps? What, what can I get to do that? Yeah. Um, things like that. So, uh, definitely you are, you are truly thrown into like the fire. Yeah, too. It's, it's a You're fire for me. Cause like <laughs> when somebody asks me a question, it's usually I get back to you on that one. I don't know the answer yet. Right. But that's, that's the beauty of starting, uh, a company is once you have those answers, it's smooth sailing from there. You have the the tool book and the handbook, uh, the, the tool bag and the handbook. Yeah, yeah. we'll say that. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, you have those things to just start with. And uh, even though we started the, our company five years ago, it, it's still a constant learning process and, and evolution, especially in technology and financial tech that uh, I'm specifically working inside of. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And lot, another kind of carry on that is... Um, as a leader or captain, your direct reports or your teammates will only ever do as much as you do as a leader. Sometimes they won't do as much as you do, but they'll never do more than what you do. Um, I kind of had a tangible example this couple weeks ago where I was in Vegas for three straight weekends, one for business and two for racing. And the following weekend, last minute, uh, we had a researcher in town. Like I found out literally 36 hours beforehand and I decided not to go because I was wiped out and I stayed on the couch and I get held accountable from my direct reports, our VPO and CEO, that, hey, this is a great learning opportunity. This is a great way to create your own future and show everyone else like, hey, we should go to these things and learn from researchers and stuff like that. And your direct reports weren't there because you weren't there. I mean, if you showed up, it didn't mean that your direct reports were automatically going to be there, but your direct reports or your teammates are never going to do more than what the team captain does or what the, the manager of that location does. That's a great point. I mean, I always felt like I was doing a lot during the game of baseball. Um, but 
it wasn't like our team wasn't teammates weren't also doing those things. They were just not doing it, you know, maybe as much as what I thought I was doing, or maybe they're doing more. I don't know. It's a, that's a great point though. Yep. And say it all comes back to culture, man. And I said, great, great cultures. Even the ones that aren't the leaders are going to do tons of things. And ultimately those guys are, are going to be the leaders, but I don't know. I always think of like the Nick Sabins of the world, right? Or the Tom Brady's like, they are just always honing their craft and they are literally paving the way of, hey, if you want to be successful, I shouldn't say you want to be successful, but if you want to have a chance to be successful, like, this is how you do it. And so everyone that probably is a backup to Tom Brady, like, that's all he sees. And that's how he's going to develop and grow and learn because of what the leader does. For sure. <clears throat> do you think, uh, well, I was going to say, your company also has a great culture. From the way you talk about it to the way I've, and obviously we like lived together for an entire year. Uh, so I got to hear a lot about the things that you were doing and work and things like that. So I think your company has that figured out. Um, but there's probably things that you're improving upon and working on. Like that's something that I took a lot of pride in early on as we build our, our culture is, hey, what does it mean to work here? You know, if, if, if an employee comes here or if a client comes to us, what does that mean? Um, and the true meaning of that to, to us as we build upon that has really grown since day one. And, and we still have a lot of work to do, but I think you guys had established it very quickly. And, and Luke has been doing this for what, 20 plus years? 15. 15. Yeah. So it's been, it's been a long time coming, but you know, in those early stages, was he framing the same messages or have those evolved as well? Um, for the most part, it has been ever since day one. Um, obviously kind of processes and systems have obviously had to kind of adapt and change, but when it comes to like our core values, basically we hire and fire wrapped around first who, then what? So we're always going to hire people around our core values and then we're going to teach them our what, which is basically our key roles or what our job is. So we're, if even if we have a great quote unquote personal trainer, but they don't live out what our company believes in, they're not going to be a good fit. And obviously vice versa too. They may be a tremendous core value fit. They believe exactly what we believe in, but they just can't train people how, how we want to train them. But obviously, we're always going to hire first two and then teach them to do whatever we want them to do. Interesting. Cool. Other than that, um, I guess I like the the shape of this conversation and where it's going. So it, it fits in with like kind of a tie up of, you know, what is the next couple steps for you of how you've, like you, like you said, not only grown upon this last year and then couple of years of life, but what are the next steps for you? Have you thought about those things? Have you really dove into those with either whether it's your company or, or where your company's going? Um, what does it look like over the next couple of years for you as you grow um, personally and professionally? Yeah, professionally, it's a fun time, we'll say. Obviously, we're we're hoping by we have a goal. We say hoping we have we have a goal by 2025 to have 100 locations, and that's across the country. Um, so we'll have a location coming in, in in Arizona, hopefully in quarter one of next year, and stuff like that. And what that means is that there's going to be a lot of kind of new positions being made and developed. Um, so right now, I'm super satisfied. We'll say happy with the role that I'm in. But that doesn't mean that one day maybe I want to be a franchise consultant or maybe I do want to go the franchise route and help someone start up a franchise or um, be part of like our educational team, we call it. Basically, all of our franchisees fly in for a week and we 
teach them our service excellence plan and how to train someone and basically just dummy everything down, but we're basically teaching the franchisees how to train people. Um, So there's a lot of fun and exciting things professionally that are on the horizon, and I want to take each one of those and look at it and define it and um, how is this going to fit into my personal goals and things like that where I love, I love, love, love training people and being client-facing. But what I actually found that I like more is the the managerial side and working on the business. Obviously, working in the business is what motivated me and kept me at Discover Strength, but I love the aspect of working on the business too. Um, personally, I'm probably less so defined on where, where I want to go, where I want to be. Um, right now, as a 26-year-old, I'm having a great time we'll say being able to travel the country Mm -hmm. drag racing and working right now and not having a ton of other commitments whether that's um relationshiply or coachingly or uh, family things obviously we have a pretty small immediate family which is nice so i in the past i don't even know two years i have learned to really enjoy that i can do things when i want to do things so i'm not (laughs) i'm not 100 percent sure how to answer the the personal related thing and maybe that's good maybe that's bad to have a better mindset or thinking professionally and someone may come back like jake what the heck are you thinking man where right. do you how do you not want to want to go personally right. um but i'm i don't know i'm enjoying myself right now i like i like that idea and i i've learned as i've been in a relationship for a while that you still can do things you know on your own and per, i guess personable is the word or or individually i guess is the best word to use mm-hmm. but still be in a relationship and enjoy that so that's fun for me to be able to learn that's something new for my life um but it, you're right i mean being able to pick up your life and go to vegas you know for three weekends in a row yeah. most likely wouldn't happen because i not only have a dog now and a girlfriend and a great she, dog her, uh, she has a different life schedule and <laughs> All those great things, right? You know, they're they're awesome, but it's different than what you're doing, mm-hmm. right? You know, and there's there's no right or wrong in that, but there is definitely a learning experience involved. And hey, here's how life kind of looks right now for us. And you know, we're still able to do podcasts. We're still able to do the things we want to do. And it just it, it just looks a little bit different. And we can't get together like we used to, or have a have a drink after work or whatever that is because our schedules don't align. So yeah, I mean, um, I definitely like I look back and like I made that commitment like to myself like in Marchish time of last year of like, hey, I know we're gonna be able to travel a lot racing. Like that is all that I want to do. I'm gonna care less about those other things, whether that is going out or going out on a date or grabbing a drink. And I'm solidifying just that this is my priority this summer. Not that it's going to be my same priority in years coming, but the summer of 2021, like all I cared about was traveling really and doing this hobby that um, I'm, I'm, like I said, fortunate to be part of. And I think it's just going back to that commitment, right? You're making a commitment to your girlfriend. Obviously you guys have to make decisions together and that's commitment that you upheld to. And my commitment was just different. And that's, you know, exactly where I think a lot of athletes forget about things too is, hey, all this new stuff is coming at me in ages 14 to 22. You know, what do I want to try? What do I want to be good at? Uh, You know, I'm really committed to baseball. I really love it. But uh, I have this other thing that I'm pursuing, right? Like you had to put down racing for a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, You had to put down racing for a while just to play baseball and commit to that. And that's a challenge, but now you're able to get back into it. And I think a lot of athletes forget that there's life after baseball. Um, that's, the, it's hard to realize that's when you don't realize yeah. it until it is gone. Right. And that's one of the biggest things that I decided at, when I was done playing is 
I don't want to be so, cause I, I think I lost out on that opportunity to, uh, be a kid in some sense. And uh, I treated it a little bit differently, but that's, that was my choice. And I was very happy with that. It turned out very well for me. Yeah. Um, but as a result, you know, I did miss out on a lot of things that I think I could have. And over these last couple of years for me, it was a matter of do whatever you want to do. Explore every hobby, start a podcast, play guitar, go snowboarding, try cross country skiing, race, you know, travel, do whatever you can and find what's, what's new, you know, and I still play baseball. I still talk about baseball. I still have connections to the game, obviously. Um, but it isn't my whole life anymore. And I have had more fun in enjoying my life, have met so many great people and built a great relationship with my girlfriend and my dog that sometimes makes me angry. But that, that is that is the case. You know, I found a lot of great things and, and it's it's a truly a blessing in disguise in some sense um, to be done with the game. So. Yeah. And you just hit something right on the head, if you ask me, and that's there isn't a right answer. Right. Like I hear I just heard you say that. Maybe looking back, maybe you lost out on some opportunities and maybe you were too committed, we'll say, to like the game of baseball. But then I've also talked to individuals after we were done playing that are like, man, like I felt like I just tried to do too much in, in my four years of college. Like I played baseball. I tried to be part of this organization. I tried to go to a lot of Twins games. I wanted to go to out to the bars on the weekends. And they come back like, man, I wish I just would have focused on baseball more. And so, like I said, there's not a right or wrong. It's you made the commitment and that's what you wanted to do. And person B made the commitment that, hey, I'm gonna try to have a more full circle college experience. And it's not right or wrong, it's you making a commitment, sitting down, figuring out what you want out of an experience and just doing it. Right, yep. Hey everybody, my name is Nolan Schoenfeld and I'm the host of the Next Gen Leadership Podcast where we train our minds and bodies every single day with intention, purpose, and urgency. I appreciate you guys all taking time out of your day to learn and get perspective into the lives from different people and different speakers that I continue to have on the show. Hopefully these messages resonate with you. And if you have interest in sharing a message or want a topic talked about on the show, feel free to reach out to me at nolan.nextgen at gmail.com. Thanks, and have a great rest of your day.